Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hample and Michael Sidrick, here to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite Beach Break. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where, not, where we review not only AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai, oh! pay-per-views, bloody premium live events, or whatever they're calling them nowadays. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on Wrestle Culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to AEW Dynamite Beach Break and a stat show, Sidge. Yeah, my prevailing feeling ahead of the short night is fear. <laughs> is legitimate fear. I know there's an argument to be made that AEW in its young history has kind of drastically overdone gimmick matches and the various uh, variations of them. But to this day, when they'd say, we're going to do a lights out match, my immediate feeling is a little bit of apprehension because you know they like to uphold that stipulation. You know that you're going to see some congealed blood all over someone's face <laughs> to the point where when they start selling underneath that mask and they appear weak and tired, you think, how much blood are you actually losing? <laughs> you do get legitimately mm -hmm. scared. And I think whenever I watch or ready myself ahead of a WWE plunder match of any kind, I just think, oh, well, someone's going through a barricade. When I go into an AEW one, I often feel a little bit of fear and anxiety on behalf of the performers. So they've done well to preserve the mystique of a violent genre plunder match. So I've got fear because they're doing two of them. Um, Sammy Guevara in a ladder match terrifies me. <laughs> yeah, Cody Rhodes working a ladder match terrifies me. Cody Rhodes working Sammy Guevara specifically, knowing that I know he likes to level up to the like craziness of his opponents, that worries me as well. Um, I'm expecting a lot of blood, a lot of fear. These are good things after the fact, but what I'm arriving at is that AEW does plunder matches and death matches and the like very well in the good and bad ways. Also, Red Velvet's wrestling, and I'm not being harsh, but that's an, it feels like they're inviting some kind of take where it's like, oh, well, Red Velvet did the most dangerous spot of the night, and they would like to 
ultra-violent gimmick yeah. matches on it. Like, it just feels cursed, that match graphic, in a weird way. Because I think Red Velvet's great. I think she's got all the potential in the world. I think she's got that which can't be taught, like, sheer fire. But I just think she needs to be told, like, calm down a little bit, know your limitations. Mm. And I just feel like if she's thinking, oh, there's two crazy matches on this show, I'm going to have to do something similarly grabby to stand out, then I'm just quite worried about the show in general. But in better news, we might see uh, the inner circle split, so, you know, it's not all bad news. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> that, you know, I obviously was quite excited to hear that book last week and see that development take place. There would be complaints that something like that would be super rushed. Ordinarily, nobody would complain if this particular thing was, because it feels like it should have been happening so long ago anyway, that I think that would be quite a nice development. The point about Red Velvet and those matches specifically is that there's always a feeling that that kind of, um, well, we've talked about it before, I guess, like that freedom of expression within AEW, that kind of attitude is encouraged, but it can have a detrimental effect on the show. It's not just about everybody making sure they get their, get their shit in or have the big moment. It's about an overall two-hour wrestling mm-hmm. show. Cody um, bled on the undercard of Blood and Guts. He's not been known for the, having the most discipline. <laughs> I, and that's by the way, that's one example off the top of my head. Pick fifty more from Cody Rhodes. He loved it with his open challenges, didn't he? I remember him it did a great match for Jungle Boy. Yeah. But inexplicably just got juice yes. in the middle of it. I but and like not even just blood, just wild like diversions, flailing overindulgence. That's that's kind of becoming Cody's brand more than more than the originator of AEW and all that sort of stuff. He's kind of embraced Chaos Codyverse instead. I would expect loads of that in the Sammy Guevara match. Um I want more that, like, because this isn't going to feature into the, the rest of the preview. They took Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy to a beach, and it looked a bit stupid. It looked no less stupid than Sid and Flip Flops and Vader and Trainers. I just want to make that clear. Like, I saw that comparison dealt out in really bad faith, because, like, these are big guys, and these are little guys. It's like, both of these things are bad and good in equal measure. There's a lot to like about both pictures, and there are lots to feel a little bit icky about, right? But don't take the wrestlers to a beach. Bring the beach to the building. That's what this. That's what this show should be about. If it's going to be beach blast, I don't need to see Cleveland's eh, beaches. I want to see sand on the stage and surfboards. Could throw sand in people's eyes. Allah, it's always sunny. Yes, and babes that, and hunks. Babes and hunks, please. Mm-hmm. Yes, I want vacation by the Go Go's playing for somebody while Tony Khan is licensing music. Like, just have some fun with the set dressing and the staging. Me and Cedric talk about this in the office. These named dynamites are almost non-events. Like, they're, they're non-events, and that would be okay. But because they've branded them, there's an expectation that comes with it that then feels like it isn't met. So it's already, you're on the back foot the second the lights come up and you see the pyro because it's like, oh, where's the f***ing surfboards? Mm. You know, like, I just make it that. For a comparison, because I think this is an interesting wider point. We Hamlet were talking about this over the desks, as he's just said. Like, they've overdone these suffixes like dynamite, beach break, New Year's bash, or smash, whatever the hell goddamn is. <laughs> yes. uh, St. Paddy's Day slam, all this kind of stuff. Can you remember what happened on Beach Break last year? These are meant to be indelible events that are special and branded and unforgettable and more memorable than the rest. Trying to picture, like, surfboards and palm trees in dailies, and I, I still can't imagine a match. I can't. You can't remember a single thing from it. Not set against that. Like, I feel like this is a nightmare. I, might, I feel like I should be naked in this. Like, Siege <laughs> puts me on the spot to remember something about wrestling, and I can't remember. Like, the thing is, the thing he's going to name as an example is going to rule. I can tell, yeah. that, like, you've got a brain for this. So, like, the. Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford's wedding. Oh, thank God. That's fair. Enough. Yeah. There was, I believe, a ripper of a. You know those trios matches they did to build uh, Mox versus Omega's death match? 
When the Young like, Bucks and the Gallows and Anderson crew and all that. Not the Young Bucks one. That was when um, Moxley had a, an association with Death Triangle for a bit. And yes. Didn't help them at Revolution. Yes. I think there was a trios match. Yeah. It's like, hang on. Are they your pals? Because uh, why aren't they saving you? That just felt like New Japan for the sake of a book and except you couldn't even hold your factions together <laughs> properly. Um, and I can remember Precious Little Else. Oh, good. Uh, Luther was on it last year. What, Dynamite? Allegedly. Beach Break 2021, yeah. It was Hangman Page and Matt Hardy versus Chaos Project. Jesus! <laughs> Chris Jericho won by last eliminating Darius Martin out for the tag team title match at Revolution. Mm-hmm. No, I think that was decent. That was yeah. all right, that battle rather. Britt Baker defeated Thunder Rosa by that was good. KO. Lance Archer defeated Eddie Kingston in a lumberjack match. I remember that fell well short of expectations. Uh, and yeah, Death Triangle and Moxley lost to Kenny Omega. Britt Baker Brothers. defeated Thunder Rosa by KO? Yeah. I don't, that's one's falling out of my head. Yeah, it's falling out of my head. I mean, it's Wikipedia, so anyone could have said anything. I do really like the idea of bringing the beach to the venue, though, because, well, they are in Cleveland at the end of the day, aren't they? And are you, where are they next week? Atlantic City or something? I've got no idea where they are it's next just, week. It's weird that they are doing it here. Build a set. If you build a set, I'll remember that John Moxley and Sammy Guevara had a match and that they had this absolute ripper four-way tag. And I'll remember that uh, John Moxley got poked in the eye and mm. that Darby Allen and Park had a ripper. Yeah. And I remember this because they made an absolute spectacle over Bash at the Beach 2020. Yes. Um, I believe was the name of that. And they had like babes, but not hunks. And I would like to see hunks in addition to babes. They had like sand and they had these like weird. Like big chairs, didn't they? And stuff. Yeah. And like the lifeguard things, towers, yeah. and like various things. Just do a set. Come on, man. You're the WCW nerd management guys. You know how much we like sets. It's such an easy win. Considering it's lights out and it's beach blast, imagine if the canvas was like sand in the sea and then there was just blood spilled all over it from the lights out match. Blood on the sand and in the sea from the from the lights out match. They should do something like that because they could do like, oh, you know, Luther versus Matt Hardy was a really depressing last minute addition to the card. But, you know, I saw some sand. <laughs> Touch sand. <laughs> uh, where do we want to start this? Should we start the TNT Championship match? Yes. Who leaves as TNT champion then? Your interim champion, Sammy Guevara. You've got champion uh, Cody Rhodes. A ladder match, like you say, terrifying prospect, but also very intriguing at the same time. CM Punk. He's going to leave with it. <laughs> they told I, me not to say that. I maintain that the idea of strapping up Cody on Christmas Day was just another delicious wrinkle to. Oh, his fans might have liked that. The people who hate him would legitimately hate him for that. That would in turn, mobilized support for Sammy Guevara's second TNT title win, which was booked initially, like, almost immediately afterwards. I think there was an internal uh, recognition that Guevara's reign was a bit so-so. Cody said, we can have some fun with my character and do one last kind of way to juice this up because it's really not working. Um, And I don't know, after the fact, whether they just want to go with Cody full stop. I, I think Sammy Guevara walks away with it. I think they want to give him a nice little mini program that makes his reign memorable. Him having a memorable title reign can inform his future because it doesn't really feel like he's leveled up to the role of champion for me. Um, So I expect Sammy Guevara to walk away with the title. I expect this to be his sort of marquee highlight reel moment that we will all immediately identify with the reign. And then I think they'll give it to Danielson after the Mox thing, like quite shortly thereafter. Um, Yeah, Sammy Guevara to win. This match, we like to discuss the prospective quality of matches on these shows. 
I kind of want it to be the more flagrantly self-indulgent and wild and chaotic and violent, the better. Like, I want this to be ridiculous, almost, because that's kind of what the Cody character is now, and I'm halfway embracing it at this point, and I don't think they can help themselves. Like, I'm not saying Sammy Guevara is a spot monkey, but when he is a spot monkey, he's very, very good at it. Mm. Cody just has ideas. He's absolutely ally with a map. (laughs) He expects this to be demented. Very shallow in its violence, but enthralling nonetheless. Yeah, I thought um, Cody would have won the Battle of the Belts match. I think Sammy's going to win this. I'm not exactly sure what feels like it's changed. I, like I thought the, the um, Cody rematch was almost just to tie things up with Sammy, really, initially. And another, what, three weeks or something has passed? We had that Cody promo last week, the general energy around Sammy Guevara being so insanely positive about coming back and having that interim title. They've, they've immediately given you the visual of him with a belt, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe seeing him with one belt is maybe think, yeah, we're supposed to be seeing him with two. And maybe this is a bit of, not that, you know, it would ever translate to what he says on screen. Maybe this is a genuinely selfless act from Cody, the EVP, as much as he is the wrestler. They, if they have identified that Sammy Guevara as a babyface was not particularly connecting and Cody's been in the room, so, well, I'll, I'll give you somebody that they'll cheer him against. Me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, especially in a situation where he's kind of, like, put himself in an advantageous position of a ladder match that he feels super confident to win with um, claims to being the real champion, kind of negging Sammy and thinking, you, you were never really worth this. You know, you, you've never been able to beat me. What makes you think you can do it in a more violent setting? They're going to be with Sammy probably to the extent that they were when he burst out of that um, for the final sequence of uh, Stadium Stampede 2, mm. when he honestly felt like that was a, that was the most pillar-like he's ever felt, I would say. And that, was it, who's that against? Was that against Sean, Sean Spears? Sean Spears, the very underrated well, podcast favourite, Sean Spears. That's it. So, like, I, I would like to think maybe that's why this has happened how it has. Ignore 90% of what Cody said last week in terms of building this match and just think maybe he was just trying to do Sammy Guevara a bit of a solid here. The visual of Sammy holding up two belts like Razor Ramon did is going to be really potent and powerful if and when he wins. So I see no reason why they wouldn't go with it. Cody winning is going to piss a lot of people off, but like it's, it's what he does now, isn't it? So it's like I don't even know. I don't. Like, I don't even know what. I don't. I look forward to what I will say tomorrow on the podcast if he wins because I'm not sure what that is yet. I think only seeing it happen, I'll be able to crystallize some thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I think Sammy leaves as champion. I agree with both of you, but. I would not be surprised whatsoever, and I will certainly bite on a moment where Cody looks like he's got a clear run-up to the title. And I could also easily see Sammy Guevara, you know, putting Cody Rhodes down, matches one, he climbs the ladder, and then Randy Rhodes loves to get involved in some of Cody's matches. There's really She's hinted towards that on Dynamite on uh, Twitter as well. Well, is that not? Because as I was reminded by Michael Sidgwick's excellent uh, book, The Coming All Eat, The Rise of AEW. Thank you. She's got... Um, LTST law with Sammy Guevara. Her going a bit crackers and ruining the whole show was actually <laughs> because Sammy Guevara died on her on night one. If you, was that right? There's, there's, no, Cody died on her when Sammy pulled her in the way yes. on night one. Uh, she blamed that on the head injury that she suffered that night. So Sammy's always been kind of on her list. So I would expect Sammy to be climbing the ladder and low blow something tonight. Think about it. The Nightmare Collective was actually Sammy Guevara's fault. There we go. <laughs> there we go. So yeah, something like him climbing up. Cody's otherwise engaged and she appears with a low blow or something to at least like play that into it. Hamlet said last week very well that Cody Rhodes is either a clever guy with dumb tendencies or a dumb guy who's incredibly good at appearing clever. <laughs> <laughs> he could... It, 
that exact description also applies to Sammy Guevara. Mm. So I'm very worried and captivated by this match. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be fascinating as well to see what the loser does next. And it sort of relates to that. There's a lot of people on this show in terms of like what's next for them. Let's start with the most obvious place. Uh, a man who returned last week, returned to the ring on Friday night. Uh, and, well, there's a big sort of question mark as to what is next for John Moxley, Hamlet. Well, obviously, Brian Danison is there. Whether or not he's next, we don't know. It's almost like, like when I saw that and obviously popped like everybody did, I'd, like my gut feeling was he's not for right now, he's for revolution. And AEW, are, like it's still good enough. We've been critical of certain booking patterns and certain crutches and reliances lately, but they're still smart enough with the characters that mean something and Christ, John Moxley and Brian Danison kind of mean everything to come up with something for John Moxley while Danielson waits in the wings. Danielson right now doesn't need a programme. He's gone, what, 90? He's had 90 minutes of ring time against Hangman Page, plus everybody through the Dark Order that they travel through. We have we know exactly who Brian Danielson is, and he's kind of like, gets an automatic spot on the pay-per-view if he wants it. Moxley, on the other hand, uh, through, very neatly, I thought, the, um, the agent of the Ethan Page match has got to get back to best. Yeah. I loved how that played out. Like, I expected him to win, but I really appreciated him not just paradigm shifting him in two minutes, you know? So I would expect a little bit more of that. Um, I don't know who the heels are that are out there, the obvious heels for Moxley to beat over the course of a couple of weeks. But I find it interesting that uh, Danielson, after that kind of, again, like, is he going back to being a babyface? Was the applause leaning on the heelish tendencies that he showed in the Hangman Page feud? But I like that Brian Zanukins can say, you know, like, great that you're off the drink. Like, this is absolutely awesome. And that's not the only thing we've got in common. Like, you know what it is to bludgeon one of them dweebs from the Dark Order. They're a lot like me and you. And kind of reminding Moxley of what he might consider a bit of a low ebb. Yeah. Like, the kind of the, the last calm before the big storm in John Moxley's life. And that being where you go. And the best time to do that is after Moxley has kind of had this, like, real fresh start. Well, I beat Ethan Page. I beat so-and-so. I beat so-and-so. And then... Brian kind of just comes in as the devil on his shoulder and be like, I, I, I don't think you're quite who you say you are now. I think you're that guy from then because I know that guy because I am that guy. And then there's your, there's your match for the pay-per-view. I don't know how they arrive at Revolution. Probably like at, five weeks away. Yeah, at which this match is almost certain to take place, I would say. I just can't wait for them to... Uh, this is bad preview for it, but I just can't wait for them to tell me the story that they are planning on telling. Yeah. John Moxley and Brian Danielson are really close mates. Um, it was, I believe, according to Meltzer, that there were three people that Danielson reached out to when he was at his career crossroads, like, in the middle of last year. And one of them he trusted to, one, keep the fact that he was having these internal discussions with himself private and just for a barometer of, oh, is it really good over there? I'm here in this buzz, but I'm in the bubble. One of them was John Moxley. They're really close friends, and they're both incredibly intelligent storytellers as well. I don't know how they're going to tell the story. I just know that's going to be sensational. Uh, Storyline development as well tonight from uh, AW Women's World Champion Britt Baker, who's set to speak, and CM Punk, who you sense hasn't got many things left between him and, and Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Well, yes. I'll do Punk first, then Hamlet can do Baker next, because I want to do my Orange Cassidy take all over again <laughs> when we get to that match. Punk said on the road to Dynamite last week ahead of the Spears match that uh, you run out of road effectively. And um, you're going to face me soon, Max. 
possibly in the place you'd like least like to face me. So I think he's going to essentially say, Wardlow failed, he came closer than you, Sean, um, but you failed. Sean Spears totally failed. You've run out of road, I've already beat FTR alongside Sting and Darby Allen. You've got no pinnacle guys left, right? No pinnacle guys left. Either MJF could play the ultimate trump card. And if this doesn't happen, you can be almost sure that unless there's a change in the relationship, you're probably not going to get it fictionalized. MGF could say, oh, you know, I've run out of guys in the pinnacle. Yes, you've beaten all my guys, but you could fight Cole Cabana first, if you like. CM Punk and Cole Cabana in Chicago would be an incredible spectacle. It's almost too MGF a thing to not happen mm-hmm. unless Punk and Cabana have said... Unless it's a shoot? Like, that's yeah, it? Like that. Unless it still remains a shoot until they've said... Res- unless they've respectfully said... Look, we just, if possible, we just don't want to work with each other. We'll be civil. Yeah. We won't create problems. We won't create bad vibes. We'll simply, if we happen to pass by in the hall, maybe a nod. That's all we want to do. Because surely, if they are on anything remotely civil terms, someone in that company has said, do do punk first, come on. It's like like chicken in the writer's room, and it's somebody's like, should I pitch it? Are you going to do it? All right, I'll go. I'll go. One of us will do it. Like yeah. it just—it feels like it's, it's must have been brewing there since the day he signed. So my two takes are either Punk is going to challenge MGF, MGF can can come back with that, or they simply do CM Punk versus MGF one in Chicago, yeah. which is not Atlantic City. It's Chicago. Yes, you're right. As you were uh, talking about that, then this I time next week it's Chicago. MGF wins when Wardlow interferes on his behalf. Then again, the Wardlow face turn could happen tonight. We're in Cleveland, and that's mm-hmm. where he's from. It's all mm-hmm. so fascinating, this. And then they do the dog collar, that they've been very gently, with the Piper references, hinting towards that direction. Um, I'm, this is the best thing on this show by a goddamn mile, and I can't wait for it to be, get developed further. Yeah, it just feels very, very main eventy, doesn't it? Like It feels like the, the big story, the big angle, whatever it's teasing is worthy of both a huge television main event or a massive pay-per-view match. It's... It's all the best stuff from a time where not all of AEW has been great. Not all of it's been elite. This is proper AEW peak operating stuff. I am. Um, I feel like it's going to be simple tonight. I think honestly, I like all I can see is Punk MJF for next week. Mm-hmm. I think they've timed this out impeccably. Really, if you track it backwards to get to the point as as you kind of put it, running out a road. CM Punk was wearing MJF scarf last week, so he's out and out stole his look too. Like they've. They've got as physical as they can do, like stealing a scarf, without just throwing down completely. Um, loved the fact that you had the various chase scenes with FTR and the cool use of the Wardlow storyline, which in itself could like develop further tonight. I wonder if um, you, you do a turn tonight, but it's not a turn on MJF, it's a turn on Sean Spears. I wonder if Wardlow is just sick of Sean Spears negging him for something or other. Maybe... Maybe Punk is like draws out MJF and they have this one last verbal exchange and Punk like draws him into the match. After MJF thinking, I'm never gonna let this guy talk me into doing something I want to do, at long last, he does it. And it's just a completion of Punk very, very gradually getting what he's needed to through playing the long game, through his experience and everything like that, for having guys like MJF come at him before and him still showing that he can. Because that plays into him losing the match as well. He thinks that he's got MJF licked. He thinks, oh well, like the only thing I couldn't beat you in was mentally, and I've done it. So now all I've got to do is the easy bit, which is wrestling and pin you, and then MJF actually beats him. Might beat him through nefarious means, but he beats him nonetheless. Headlock taken? 
Headlock takeover. Oh. Headlock takeover. Um, but Wardlow snapping on Sean Spears specifically is great use of Wardlow being in the hometown whilst leaving an element of doubt of where he stands for this time next week. Also, I think it's very interesting, potentially something that MJF could lean on, that you've got CM Punk speaking, Britt Baker speaking. Like, why don't you bloody share a mic, you two, considering, you know, what Punk could probably... probably he'll probably be this, this shoulder to crying in case anything happens with Adam Cole later on in the night. I mean, it's... Great content and pretty good patter as well, but I don't know if they'll go near that one again. I'm not, yeah, I'm not suggesting they should do the, the thing together because that does sort of, yeah, it's weird. But it, the Brit Baker thing, right? Because obviously I saw this on the, the notes for the preview, and I, I guess we could say this is a little bit the case maybe with John Moxley. F- five weeks is neither too long nor too short a time to build something for revolution. If you just wanted to, like, you know, put on the gas now for Thunder Rosa and Brit Baker, you could. Five weeks is not too long to just be like, this is where we're headed. You've all been seeing it happen in the background for a year. We've got a pay-per-view coming up. This is the place we're going to deliver this match. I don't have a particular problem with that. But at the same time, like five weeks in AEW, in a, on AEW's booking clock, five weeks is often way too long because they kind of, you can feel things dragging out and the program sometimes feel a bit tired before you get to the destination. So it's, it's a really difficult period of time. Britt Baker could easily have, I don't want it particularly, but one more match with Chris Statlander, for example. You know, she could have that one. There could be dissension in the ranks furthered with Jamie Hayter, but again, the mirroring of the Wardlow programme, like that potentially plays as a little bit sloppy if you have these things next to each other. Or does it play as, well, they couldn't possibly turn Wardlow at the same night? I guess, I guess, and sometimes that does work. Yeah. I just, like, like typically, you want to avoid having, yeah, like, these that. repeat segments, but, like, both are reasonably hot, so you, you both could do them. And yeah, do the Wardlow one tonight. Oh, with it being his hometown, Wardlow yeah. He's very hot as well. I just... <laughs> he's very hot. The white boots, man. The white oh. boots and knee pads. The white trim on those velour, that velour singlet. Like, oh, what are we talking about? <laughs> Britt Baker. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, she's a dentist, isn't she? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I d- like, I know I want Thunder Rosa. This, yes, what yeah. I'm, why I'm struggling here is... But Thunder Rosa's busy with Mercedes Martinez. Right. Why I'm struggling here is because Dynamite was good last week and it wasn't good for about four weeks before that. If it had been good, all of this would maybe feel a little bit clearer, but wasn't that great? And I haven't felt that enthusiastic about most of the stuff they've been doing. And yet last week felt like a huge turnaround. So now I want to have the confidence to say, Britt Baker's going to come out, she's going to be super over, she's going to get the big pop, DMD, and then whatever you get is going to be really satisfying. Exactly what Sidgwick said. I have a feeling the outcome is going to be satisfying. I can't quite see what that is. Who would you like to see a face at Revs? Thunder Rosa. Um, how you arrive at that, given that she's um, busy with Mercedes Martinez, I don't know at present. They could do something to the effect of the last week's mixed tag spins off into um, Baker versus Chris Statlander. That happens in and around Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa versus Mercedes Martinez. Baker can point out, I've already beaten Chris Statlander at All Out. I've beaten her again on this Dynamite. I'm looping the roster at this point. I'm lapping them, rather. Like, I've beaten everyone. I'm even beating them twice at this point. It's getting boring. And then Thunder Rosa, fresh off the win from Mercedes Martinez, could say something to the effect of, you've literally never beaten me. And then that's how you get a revolution. Love that. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? A try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Sticking with female action then, we've also got uh, tonight Red Velvet versus Layla Hirsch. And God bless the United States. <laughs> Whose turn I thought was, was excellent, or has been excellently executed, uh, particularly with, with what you two have pointed out in the past without them with them featuring stuff that's happened not on Dynamite or Rampage that mm. I was completely unaware of. More of that sort of thing, please. Um, yeah, the, the first step on a, on a very exciting road for Layla Hirsch, hopefully, tonight. I mean, yeah, this isn't NXT 2.0. The person you've been told to pay attention to who's got a new character dimension is not going to lose. <laughs> or, yes. well, she could wrestle babyface with an edge, lose, and snap again. So you can kind of kill two birds with one stone. Um, I don't really see the value in that. Um, I think Hirsch is probably further along than Velvet. Um, so this should be a cut-and-dry Layla Hirsch win. I'm very interested to see how she works heel because, as I've said before, just the sheer size of her. I mean, yeah. she's so perfect at working um, underdog baby face. But you could also, like, the, the Taz principle, someone who looks like that being able to kill people in a really vicious way is itself like, Jesus Christ, like, where did that come from? So to see, like, an incredibly vicious sight to Layla Hirsch, who's just fantastic, um, this could be a real showcase moment for her. So I'm really looking forward to it. I would say that they don't try to be clever. They should be definitive here. Layla Hirsch wins. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's the the way I think you would do it if you absolutely had to have a lose. Because she's turned on Chris Statlander. She's not technically turned on Red Velvet. Is that right? She attacked 
both of them. She attacked both of them, yeah. right. So, right, well, in which case, then, yeah, absolutely, she does have to win. You're being informed that she's the feature player here. Um, I want to see her consider going for something, like going for that dangerous high spot that she always misses and always loses off and then electing not to because it's no longer about letting the energy of the people get in your head or becoming a people pleaser or taking the risk. Layla Hershey's really dangerous, especially on the map. Uncomplicated, unfussy, but, you know, hybrid stuff. That's like That used to be a thing. It's, most people have got some version of a hybrid offense now, but Layla Hirsch does. Um, she beats Red Velvet. She beats her fairly convincingly, and she does it without taking the like needless risks or the sloppy risks she would take as a loser. When she was on the wrong end of the ledger all the time, you see not only has she learned from those mistakes, but she is shaking off what she believed to be Deadwood in the form of Red Velvet and Chris Statlander. Like, you can't... Well, you can, and people do. But she's looking like the irrational one for this breakup. That's how they're playing this, right? Chris Statlander and Red Velvet can't really understand what Layla Hirsch's problem is. Layla Hirsch has got these issues where she feels like she's not getting the respect and she's not getting the spotlight. If she then loses, it kind of vindicates their point rather than hers. And then where do you really go with anything? Yeah. Like, oh, Red Velvet and Chris Statlander are right. Layla Hirsch was an annoying, yeah, an, annoying an annoying, stupid loser. You know, not, job, not, job done for everybody. It's not NXT. That, that's no, not the yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Right, let's go to the lights out match then. Uh, Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy. Is this ma- the main event, presumably? It has to be for yeah, the way that they do because the they, they have to switch the lights off and on. And then you know, here's Rampage. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little bit uh, bizarre, but well, they'll, they'll pretend it's on Friday on Rampage. Cool. So that's let's fine. get into it. Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy. <laughs> you need one of them, you know, like those awful radio jingles that apropos of nothing where you've got to, turn the goddamn lights off! <laughs> so, <laughs> this is inspired. More inspired than having Adam Cole wear a jacket to a beach, <laughs> which looks silly, but at the same time, he's right to do it because it's January and it's Cleveland, but at the same time, he's in his trunks. Yeah. Like... It's not. It's nowhere near as cool as they thought it was going to be. No. So <laughs> I do, however, think this match is going to be every bit as effective as they thought it's going to be. I love the the joy in the Orange Cassidy character is in the contrast, is in the build, how he goes from lazy, apathetic guy to sly, cunning strategist to guy who doesn't really think about it, to thinks about it more deeply than anybody else, to someone who just feels it with his fire expression. As I said on the review last week, when I got a little bit too good giddy and realized I should just save this for the preview, you're going to see like that thick muter plasma pouring out of this forehead. He's got the perfect hair color for it as well as Orange Cassidy. You're going to see him at his most unbridled, fired up, passionate, I need to win this goddamn match, covered in blood. Like the effort is literally unmistakable at this point. It's dripping out of his goddamn forehead like a fountain. They are striving, I think, tonight for an iconic moment. They want this to be on his T-shirts. They want... And I'm not saying he's going to turn into Steve Austin in 1998 on the back of bleeding in a violent match. I just feel like it's going to be possibly the high point of the very Orange Cassidy character, or at least the very best thing he's done since the pack match at Revolution 2020. Pissing Blood Cassidy. um, Just 
looking like the opposite of Orange Cassidy, but the Orange Cassidy everyone wanted him to be at some point when they knew he was capable of trying. Um, how they arrive at that bloodshed, it's going to have to be a really violent match. They kind of have to put the performers at risk and make them work like horrendous, <laughs> harrowing, really ghastly, gnarly matches because that stip's incredibly important. That stip sold the pay-per-view once upon a time. Um, that stip made people realise, Jesus Christ, this isn't WWE. Like, they go nuts with their steps. The last time they did a Lights Out match was a plunder brawl. That was, as fun as it was, contrived at Rampage Grand Slam when it was um, Moxley and Suzuki mm-hmm. versus, uh, no, sorry, Archer and Suzuki versus Moxley yeah. and Kingston. It was it's a like, homicide running, wasn't it? Yeah, so yeah. it was like, they had, they had the running up the sleeve. They did some plunder spots. They had some AW Young Lions who were, literally never existed. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lance Archer just threw them around because of, that's cool when he does that in New <laughs> Japan. It was like, it was a mess. It was a, just enough fun to make you not think. Oh, cheeky, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was cheeky. They took yeah. the piss. And it kind of... You remember Moxley Omega... Rosa Baker, when you think of lights out, you don't really remember that. No, fair play. I, was th- I generally thought you were going to say. Yeah, but if Rosa this is Baker, closer yeah. to the other, they risk undermining the stip and they like the stip. They've kind of pissed away that stip, but not. But they've built it up enough that people aren't that bothered about that match because you don't really remember it. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be incredibly violent and I think it's going to be. Adam Cole winning, but the sheer visual of Orange Cassidy. They're going to repeat the magic of Patrick's Day Slam. One person wins, one person is like, well, they are made on the back of this. Yeah, I um, I, I certainly don't disagree in the result as well. I think Orange Cassidy is going to win. I know Will Bourne. You, right. said, you said Cole win? I think Cole wins. Oh, you think Cole wins? I think Cole wins. Oh, I thought you meant like repeat the magic as in Thunder Rosa wins. No, and one Baker. person like, well, I guess it's the other way around. Yeah, because... Thunder Rosa won. Yeah. Like, because it's lights well, out, isn't it? That's the the, but yeah, the person yeah. who bleeds and yeah. has that visual gets over. So I think Adam Cole wins, but Orange Cassidy will be. Okay. Uh, I think it'll be known as his match. I know there's storyline reasons why Adam Cole doesn't have to win, but I just think he does. You and Andy. Every little's going to help if he's facing Page at Revolution. You mm. and Andy think Orange Cassidy wins. I do. Um, but maybe that's me not giving AW enough credit and enough that they're going to commit to Adam Cole. I think they're doing it. I'm not going to say it's a get out because it's, it's not, but it's a it's a very nice way they've established that it's not going to affect the rankings, you know? So I still remember John Moxley, the, the camera behind Moxley as he was raging when he found out that Lights Out doesn't go towards your record and thinking, well, that's actually a pretty cool wrinkle to this stipulation. And one day that's really going to help. And it did, obviously, with Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. And I saw no reason why they wouldn't do that again here, Orange Cassidy. Not least because... He's lost and lost and lost and lost. Orange Cassidy's a goddamn loser, especially Adam Cole. Like, he's like lost the mixed tag. They lost a singles match the two of them have already had. I'm pretty sure there was a best friend elite thing. Didn't go the best friend's way. It might have been just a beatdown or something. But, yeah, I don't feel like Orange Cassidy's had anything in this. So whilst Cole will be absolutely fine because of the bloodshed, because of the memories and the moments from it, going into Hangman Page, and he's fairly quickly rehabilitated. If anything, it's quite an Adam Cole thing to no-sell the result and say, uh, look at the rankings. That's why I'm going to Revolution. Like, you know, that whole heel thing of what what match? What defeat? You know, all that kind of thing. Like, that feels very Adam Cole. I can visualize him saying and doing that while Orange Cassidy gets a new T-shirt off the sight of his blood-soaked face or something. Um, I rarely say this, so it's a bit of a collector's item. I am ready for some Young Bucks melodrama. I'm interested here as to who is more helpful to Adam Cole in the chaos of the inevitable, like, gangs running into help. Is it going to be Red Dragon or is it going to be the Young Bucks? Somebody's going to help. Somebody's going to hinder. 
and that's going to matter feeding in uh, the Hangman Page match, not least because of what we now understand as a bit of an unspoken respect that has been re-established between the Bucks and Page after the Kenny Omega match. Like, I'll, I believe that's where all this is going. Mm-hmm. It feels like a nice add-on, a nice accoutrement to the Adam Cole uh, Hangman Page match, and I think it's going to feature tonight. I would expect a run-in from one of the teams first, and then the other teams come and help, and there to be that miscommunication, or to be like some of them get ran off mm-hmm. by the best friends, but then I don't know, Bobby Fish is left out there, or like Kyle O'Reilly is a better one actually. So Kyle O'Reilly and Matt Jackson are both left out there, and one gets it spot on, and the other one picks it up, and then you're on your way to something with that. Genuinely, I welcome a little bit of that as a slight diversion from the violence before Orange Cassidy wins. Looking a lot of betrayals here tonight. Yes. Could, could, could tonight be the night that Trent betrays the best friends? Oh. I really want it. I really want it at some point, but I just feel like... I Maybe want this to be... Wheeler you who tries to get involved and accidentally chins Trent, and he's like, right, that's it. <laughs> I kind of want this to be cleaner. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I was just, I'm just asking questions here, mate. Um, also on that, I will just say, so I've just complained about Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole feeling a bit there. What happens when I specifically complain about best friends feuds being a bit meh? They have some awesome blow-off on Dynamite and everything feels good again and the ends in a hug. Like yes. That's happened like three times at this point, <laughs> so I could absolutely see Dynamite ending blooded Orange Cassidy in the middle of the best friends hug. And yet again, it's like, oh, all you have to do is wait six weeks for an awesome payoff and you, you get it. Yeah. Yeah, I... I'm, I'm fascinated to see how they book this match because, uh, like you say, I've, I've been chatting to you guys before and say, no, I can't see anyone other than Adam Cole winning this match. You, you can't have him lose, whether it goes on your record or not, in the eyes of the fans, you can't have him lose five weeks away from potentially dethroning Hangman Page from the World Championship. So that, for me, is why I'm picking Adam Cole to win. But I will say, you know, the mixture of both of yours bookings... There is a way they can book Orange Cassidy for me to win and still protect Adam Cole, but I can't say what it is. But I have faith in them being able to execute something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's just so close to revolution. And yeah. I think having someone piss blood out their face is such a pre- like a precedented, established means of getting someone over that I think they'll just do that. Puts him in the sharpshooter, blood streaming down his face, referee, ask him, ask him. One final thumbs up and then the thumb just falls down. That's magic. Yeah, yeah, that's magic. That's that's really good. I've just stolen your Stone Cold stuff, if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, Michael Hamblett, final question. Is tonight the inner night where the inner circle split? Christ, I hope so. Um, It doesn't, as I said at the start of the podcast, it just doesn't feel like it can happen this suddenly. Narratively speaking, it's felt like it's been going on for a year. But like oh, this time they'll be the one that split up. This time they'll be the one that split up, and they just never do. They just keep winning. They're, they're the best in the circle. <laughs> the best. Chris Jericho's the coolest. Like, but this like feels like the best opportunity we've got. It's like we, we all support mostly crap teams. Mike Cedric, not for much longer, but we all mostly support crap teams. <laughs> no, no, Newcastle like, are so much of a circus club that when I get emotionally detached from them completely, right, and they get become the richest club in the world, they'll still get relegated. That's, <laughs> that's how bad Newcastle are. But it's what I was going to say was it sort of feels like just this one win will turn it all around. And this could be the case for the inner circle and indeed Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston tonight. I got just a feeling that I actually liked what Chris Jericho was up to when Proud and Powerful left him for dead last week. <laughs> I was actually suddenly invested in I wasn't sort of like there wasn't any of the no, goal. I don't feel you. Yeah, like the, I mean, the GFY stuff, amazing. Obviously that Moxley pulled the rug before I even had a chance to get the trademark finished. <laughs> but yeah, just for a second... 
I was interested again. Now, of course, it's because I want the character Chris Jericho to suffer on screen. I want him to lose his friends to a better person in Eddie Kingston. I sense that's probably not how it'll play out on AEW television. And I have serious reservations still about Kingston and Jericho as a singles match for a pay-per-view. Hair versus hair? Okay. <laughs> like, who's, who's hair versus hair? Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. Eddie Kingston's He's just... You know, you do, eyebrows versus you do your Austin Orange Cassidy thing. It's one forward, two back. Eyebrow versus hair. <laughs> it comes to something. Um, Chris Jericho was living his best life in late 2019. We were all completely high on literally, literally everything he did. The pronunciation of words that he said, mm-hmm. right? I thought this preview was finished when we did Cassidy Gold just then. Because I completely forget that Chris Jericho exists. <laughs> and then he uh, doesn't let you when you turn the show on. Yeah, it's just so... Uh, he's fallen drastically. Um, usual stuff applies. They tell sagas in AEW sometimes when they don't bloody need to. And this is clearly Kingston Jericho is going to go to revolution. This is going to drag until then or until it doesn't. Maybe this will get really good. And it's one of those things where AEW just say, right, okay, well, the real destination's ages away. Let's just do three weeks of fucking about because we've got something ace up the sleeve. We feel like we're in those two weeks or, in fact, end times. Proud and powerful having so much loyalty to Eddie Kingston was, I don't know if something really terrifying and violent and dangerous can be wholesome, but there was something really wholesome about that. And again, I'm not sure that's exactly how Chris Jericho imagines this plays out. I think he thinks, I think in his mind, it's him looking at the uh, the list of KO all over again. It's like, no, no, I don't feel you. Like, yeah, good. You're all by yourself. <laughs> you, and your, you and your money. Scrooge McJericho, go home. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that was, they thought it was going to be more of a sympathetic thing. And maybe we're supposed to root for Proud and Powerful to be friends with everybody rather than picking a side between Kingston and Jericho. Um, I don't know. I'm still feeling a bit burnt by the idea that a few weeks ago we were supposed to receive Kingston as the out-of-control heel in all of this. Hmm. I just, mm, I Even if we do, there'll be knee chance that oh, Jericho gets... CM Punk got booed. Uh, Jericho's got knee chance. Kind of got to admire his moxie in that regard, haven't you? Aye. But potential win for 2.0 on Dynamite as well. Yes. But now Daniel Garcia teaming against the Inner Circle, if you're unaware. It's yeah. about time they got something. You kind of have to, it's a bit of a men of the year thing, isn't it? You have to let them win sometimes. Yeah. Also, if, uh, again, another fucking betrayal, but if uh, Proud and Powerful, like, literally don't just leave, but, like, lay out Jericho and Garcia, let's just say Garcia pins him because I'd, I'd like that for him, uh, the reaction from Matt and Jeff is going to be a joy to behold. Yeah. Like, we won. <laughs> we won on dynamite. Like, I'm really excited to 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 just see, like you say, how they plot this out because we all know sort of the end destination or where it should go, and to, and it's it's sudden, but it's also yeah, a long time coming. Let's just have it now. Let's just have Chris Jericho turn heel. This baby face thing's not really worked at all. I mean, it obviously has because like literally thousands of people in arenas of sang Judas and been with them every step of the way in certain matches, but that's post-full gear. This thing's just not worked at all. So split tonight? No. Nah. I think so. I like a saga, man. Too, Too much. Too many bloody sagas. <laughs> Maybe a miscommunication cost. There'll be a hint. There'll be a hint. Yeah. yeah. Well, let us know your thoughts ahead of AEW Dynamite tonight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at 
Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Our NXT 2.0 review is available right now. And our review of this show will be in your feed tomorrow as soon as it is released. But for now, this has been the AW Dynamite Beach Break Preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.